Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary, And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, I, I wish that Zoom had not done that. I totally get why they did, but it feels kind of bizarre that it shows up all of a sudden. Anyway, back to the subject at hand. I'm feeling a little anxious because uh, our guest today is the woman who did the audit of our stuff. And so I feel like I should be a little bit more uh, in, I don't know, a little more aligned with how all this works. But as per usual, well, we both I feel know like- Six percent is a good thing. Yes. We know that now. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is Lillian Cotter joining us today. Hi, Lillian. Hi. We're really happy to have you with us. We're really happy for the work that you did with us in August. I don't know that it's made us noticeably smarter, but it's given us some things to think about in terms of daily dose. Yeah, well, I'm so excited to be here. I think one of the things doing the audit was just, I liked the mission when I'd heard about it. I'd seen a couple things just because you and I follow each other on a lot of social stuff. Yep. But um, actually digging into it just... I think one of the things we talked about right at the beginning was how much it bizarrely related to things in my life that are really important to me and how lovely it is to hear you guys talk about all these things that matter so much and people don't talk about. Yes. So I guess we'll say thanks Thank first. Yes. I, I try I not to nice get a compliment and not acknowledge it. And also, I think that there is real truth to that. And then you dug in and kind of proved what we thought was true, which was these conversations need to be happening more and more, um, not just between us, but publicly, and then bringing in a third voice or more. So we're really happy to have you joining us today because you have your whole own personal journey with alcoholism, and we're going to let you just get right off with it. Lillian, start wherever you want to start and tell us whatever you want to tell us, and we'll go from there. Okay, well, I'll start with um, my um, journey with alcoholism is not my personal journey with alcoholism. Um, I am not a recovering alcoholic or an active alcoholic as far as I'm aware. Um, but, um, I do have, um, a, a long kind of family history of it. Um, and the one thing that I did want to mention right at the top, cause I was, as I was thinking about things to talk about here, um, I just sort of realized something that's so true of all of experiences in life, but particularly ones where there's a lot of emotion behind it. Um, any stories that I tell, even if they involve other people are really my story because they're from my perspective. If they told you the same story about the same situation, it's gonna be different and both are valid. Um, mine is just, so when I talk about things, my brothers and I talk about how we had the same parents and we were at the same place at the same time, but our childhoods were totally different. Yep. Um, and how we react is that was, was completely different. So, um, yeah, the, my immediate relationship with alcoholism is, um, my dad is a recovering alcoholic. He has been sober since 2009. Um, Congratulations. yeah, yeah. He's that's, I was talking to him about it and I hadn't fully grasped how long that has been. Um, but so he, he 
we can talk more about that, but um, his also on his side of the family, um, his father and grandfather both had struggles with mental health things and, um, and alcoholism. Both of his parents were alcoholics. Um, and then just on that side of the family, there's, there's kind of that history of that. And I know one of the things you and I've talked about is just how used to having this entire community of people who just are able to speak about addiction and understand what that's like, just because we all have this shared experience. And sometimes I go talk to other people and forget they don't know a weird amount about alcoholics. <laughs> um, so, so that's kind of the high level, like my experience of it, but I talk all day long about yeah. those So, okay. So if your dad got sober in 2009, mm -hmm. you, were, you were already a young adult at that point. Yeah, I was a teenager. So um, he, I was 14, 15 when he got sober. Okay. Um, and um, I, yeah, exactly like how long he was actually drinking where it was a problem is a little bit gray. Um, but for, for it was, there were some problems in the years leading up to that. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Cause I, it, it was great for us too. I mean, we can't, yeah. I can't say to you, well, it was clearly 2007 when the tide turned. I, it, it happened so gradually. Well, I don't even know myself, to be honest with you. I, I think of it sort of like if you live with children, they're mm -hmm. growing. You don't, you don't see them every day and noticeably see mm -hmm. growth. It's only when you, you know, see someone once a year that you can be like, holy buckets, uh, you've yeah. grown three inches. Yeah. Um, and I think alcoholism sense. is yeah. very similar to that. It doesn't, you don't go from stone cold sober to fall down drunk. It happens very, very gradually. So Lillian, did you know it was a problem in your household growing up? So it's one of those things, which I think is an experience that's true for a lot of people where in hindsight, it's so clear. Um, yeah. And um, so, but in the moments, like I knew I ha we had a family history. Like when I learned about what alcoholism was, I was told about the family history of it. And like, my dad talked about his experience, not in great detail of the fact that his parents were alcoholics, but like, I knew that when I learned about alcoholism, we got this little sheet from school. I had to come home and have a discussion with our parents. And so I was like 10 or 11 when I had that conversation with my parents. And I learned that my dad's parents had this issue. And, um, uh, but I didn't, I think one of the tough things in, in figuring out like how much was it the alcohol versus other things is the, the big thread through my family history is depression. Um, and, the, um, and the alcoholism is absolutely tied to that depression. So particularly looking back, um, the depression, like the, the, the behaviors that were like, that are somewhat tied to the alcoholism, like just, and this is, this is tough because it's hard for me to talk about my dad and I love my dad very much. <laughs> we have a good relationship now. We worked really hard on that. Um, I have been going to therapy for 11 years on and off. Um, but there was a lot of like, he would be in his room and wasn't really participating with the family. And, um, but like when I was in middle school, when I came home from middle school, one of the first things I would do was get my dad a scotch because I would get home at 11. Yeah. or not at 11, I get home at four. And that was the acceptable time to start drinking. 
Sure. Um, so my brothers and I have actually talked about different behaviors that we noticed and how we had these different experiences. Cause my brothers, neither of them did that when they got, they weren't bringing him drinks. Um, but my older brother was taking out the recycling and he, so he knew how many bottles of things yeah. were in there. Yep. So Lillian, I, I can't say this as well as Maz will hopefully be able to, but I, I'm going to start the conversation and then I'm going to let you jump off on it. I think it's okay to be critical of a time in your mm -hmm. life with a relationship with someone that is now very, very good because mm -hmm. you've done the intentional work. I, I don't think it negates the good place you are now by remembering the hard place you were. And I don't think that it minimizes the positive relationship you have today to acknowledge that it wasn't always that way. And I, I can say that because that's absolutely how you and I are. Yeah. And it's absolutely how Maz and Quinn are. You can't, you can't really have the good today without having gone through the hard yeah. and the hard does not take away from the good. Yeah. 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 And it's, I, I completely agree with that. And I very much appreciate you saying that. And I think um, my, so knowing that I was going to be on here and knowing that this was going to be out publicly, I talk about this all the time with people in my life, but this is the first time where like, I'm going to share this on Facebook and people right. <laughs> tell or yes. this. Um, and so I talked to my dad after I, you and I talked and I just agreed to be on here. And I was like, Ooh, but people are going to, yeah. Yeah. to figure out who I'm talking about when I say my dad. Yep. So I talked to him about it. And one of the, one of the things that I think is really, really true that particularly now with all this distance is he talks about how, um, how heartbreaking the problem of alcoholism is in general, like knowing the history in his family and how much pain that has caused and how, even though he had this struggle, he thinks about it as such a victory that he's kind of conquered this thing that has caused pain for generations. And like, I think there's, there's so much tied together with the depression and the alcoholism there, but, um, and, and I, I very much agree. And I know that like my own experience with depression, I don't think I would have known to go to therapy at 15, 16, um, if I didn't have this family history of it and see the ways to not successfully deal with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think um, we live in a culture that wants us to be very binary about things. I love my dad. Everything's amazing. Great. You yeah. can love your dad. It can be amazing. And it can used to have been very, very hard. I can love my marriage. I can be so proud of the journey and I can acknowledge that for a lot of years, I did not feel that way. Both things are true and both things are valid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and go, go ahead. I, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for, you know, the last nearly five years we've had together have been spectacular, but I'm also painfully aware of what I did to everyone around me. You know, it's not, my proudest moment and you know i like you can it's easy to pat yourself. well it's not easy it's quite it's quite an accomplishment accomplishment to pat yourself on the back and go well look who you are now mm -hmm. you can't well for me anyway you can't completely ignore what happened to you yes 
it is a disease and yes you have to admit you're powerless over alcohol but it's that point where you got to there and how much damage you were doing to everyone around you that's yeah I I, I won't fully let go of it because I think I need to remember it because it's going to help keep me going forward now everyone's completely different Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that's how your dad is or how he should think if he wants to be very happy. No, I'm not at all. But for me, that's it. And everyone's different that way. And, it, you know, it, it's it's lovely to have these conversations from the other side, too. You know, how mm-hmm. you are, are, are blossoming and yet, you, you know, you're clearly having a, a decent, a fairly decent relationship with your dad now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and I think one of the things that again, like this is one of those things where I haven't reflected on this experience in a while. So doing this now, one of the things I was thinking about is, and I don't, I think I'm curious if this has been the same experience for you guys, but I know there was so, so much of like our family dynamic when like we were in that. And I say we, cause like we were in that. We everybody who lives there, isn't unhealthy it? Behaviors, everybody participated a little bit. And that slippery slope of like, well, this, you just start, like, you just start doing that. My dad didn't wake up one day and say at four o'clock, when you get home from school, you're going to bring me a scotch. (laughs) Like that wasn't a day that we had. Um, And I think, actually, I think it was whiskey, which doesn't matter to anybody, but just you know what details matter to the, to the experiencer. Um, But so when we were in that, we were so dysfunctional and we were so um, locked in those patterns that some of the most painful parts were actually coming out of that. Like as my dad got sober and as we were breaking these patterns that we were in, um, like my dad and I would fight a little bit, but I didn't tell him when I was 14, you're an alcoholic and you need to stop and scream at him. We would get in fights, but mostly we just didn't acknowledge any of the things that were being swept under the rug yeah. and it when we started acknowledging those that there was a good from when I was like 15 to 17 or 18 my dad and I would only really talk in screen bites like there would be other conversations that we'd have but it would always end with us just fully screaming at each other in the living room yeah. um and I've told him once that Um, I am just always mad at you. And I don't, I can't, I hadn't unpacked that yet. So I didn't know why really, but I'm like, the reason that everything you do seems wrong is because I'm already mad when we start talking. Yeah. (laughs) And so getting to now where I, like I called my dad last night to talk about some stuff with this house that I'm buying. And I got to just have a really nice conversation with my dad and his girlfriend and talk about Oh no. Oh, please come back. Oh no, we frozen. Let me just see if it's us. Oh, there we go. Lillian, are we back? Yeah. Okay. okay. So talk with your dad and his girlfriend about your house. Yes. So I was talking, I was talking to them about my house last night and it just was a lovely conversation where I got to just talk to my dad. And there's, that's something that I, I hate doing the, like, you have to go through the hard thing to really appreciate, because there are people who really appreciate their lives and didn't have to go through the hard thing. I think that's true, yes. Um, but I know that I really appreciate 
being able to have a casual conversation with my dad and not scream at him because of a decade of hard work I did in therapy and work that we've done to be able to communicate better. I know exactly how you mean. We will, we still go for walks. I think it's just because in honor of our dog, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore, but because it's a good way to, to exercise. And Quinn phoned us and he said, oh, well, he phoned me. He said, oh, can I, can I just talk to you? I said, brilliant. And I had the oddest conversation with him that would never have happened if I was still drinking. He was talking to me about how he could um, buy a kit to actually experience because he loves making he's he's into mixology and mm. he loves making like cocktails not to drink himself or anything there's we got there's no red flags to worry about but we just had this fantastic conversation about how to ferment flavors oh, without yeah. alcohol from different mm. things other than sugar and i thought this is the oddest conversation i will ever have with a human being i'm having it with quinn dalval on the phone from two different time zones and it's brilliant yeah <laughs> you know um I really appreciate your point, Lillian. I've not heard anybody else articulate what you just articulated yeah. to us that I'm angry all the time. But boy, is that exactly how I felt. And that is exactly what I had to work through too. You're angry all the time when you're living in it, but you don't exactly know why. Or if you do know why, you're not willing or able to address it. So then it just presents as well, I'm angry because you wore this sweater yesterday and you're wearing it again today. No, that's not why you're angry, but it's the only thing you can talk about. So when somebody gets sober, that anger doesn't go away. That anger has to be brought to the surface and dealt with. And you finally can because they are in a place where they can take it, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out in really both regular and irregular ways. You, I, I just want to say, and then I'll let you talk, but I, I've talked about this a lot, but the night that Maz came home from rehab, he'd been gone for six and a half weeks. I'd watched him in the hospital in intensive care. I'd watched him work through this stuff. The night he came home from rehab, I screamed at him because I was angry that we could never go have, I couldn't have a glass of wine. That's insane. That's illogical. It's nonsensical, mm -hmm. but it was, it was how I had to start this new path mm -hmm. of our lives because I'd not been able to work through it before. So yeah. I really appreciate where you're at with this Lillian. Yeah. And especially like being a kid mm -hmm. going through that, like that's one of the things where I was always like praised for being a really mature kid. Um, and I actually get really defensive when people are like, you're so grown up. And I'm like, let the children be children. Because yeah. I, it, growing up in that dysfunctional space, it, first of all, it wasn't, there wasn't a safe way to be angry. And I don't mean that there was no abuse or anything like there's no physical abuse. I was never afraid my dad was going to hit me, but it just was like, there's not Oh my gosh, I feel like these are freezing at such incredibly yeah. important places. So we're going to wait a second and see. Is it coming back? Yes, okay. we're back. Oh, I want, so I'm not getting a sign that our internet is unstable. Um, but I think it's going to, 
I think it's going to make its way back I again, so. I hope. Um, I definitely want to hear how this conversation goes. I, Lillian, can you hear me again? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. I, I'm going to have you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to turn my camera off really quick and I'm going to hardwire into my internet so that okay. it's Okay. Okay. All right. Brilliant. One second. So, um, you know, the interesting thing about this, wow, we don't very often panic in a vamp. Um, We're doing well. We, <laughs> I, I think this is brilliant because, you know, to be angry all the time, let's just go go, go back to that. that that's something we, we talk about in AA when, when some people complain about, oh, my, 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 my son or my daughter, you know, they're really angry at me. And I hear people, some people say, to them, well, yeah, they got a lot to be angry about. You've got to remember this is, this is your fault. And I hear people say, well, it's a disease. I was powerless. And I say, yes, but the other part of that is what you learn is you've got now got to take responsibility and move on from that. And you, you can't lose um, trace of the fact that this is your fault as well. You are powerless to a disease, but how you deal with people's reaction now is, is completely up to you. So I want to, I want to dig into that a little, because you and I, are are in slightly different places with this certainly and i i think maybe we've discussed this but certainly i did not shove alcohol down your throat yes you did not there you are hello go ahead and finish that anecdote oh, that's well oh okay so i did not shove it down your throat but i did contribute to i think some of what caused you to start drinking more and you know we're going to just always agree to disagree yeah because i don't think you do but but it is a conversation yeah. for a Tuesday because I think I often worry that Maz thinks he can't put any of the blame on me and a spouse is different than a child. I don't care what your child does. Your child does not deserve or merit any blame for you becoming an addict, in my opinion. But a spouse is different because a spouse is a co-adult. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll unpack that. So, on a different Tuesday. How this little chestnut blossomed is we were talking <laughs> when you were um, hardwiring yourself, is we were talking about your statement that um, you were angry to start with when you were having that conversation with your dad. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things. So, one of the things that was really hard for me, particularly knowing the family history and knowing that, like, my dad's problem with alcohol was not the same problem his parents had with alcohol. Okay. Um, and so the problem that, and then I also had my mom who was sober and, um, the most dysfunctional thing I say about her is that I'm incredibly defensive about her and she's perfect in every single way and he, not a human being because she's an angel actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's mother's for you, bless you. Which my therapist thinks is a little problematic in its own way. And then I get really mad about that. So, <laughs> um, but the one of the things that um, actually came up when I was talking about, but this is one of those, I have these patterns from these past relationships that came up when I was talking about somebody else is it's so hard when you really understand that like people with certain depression and anxieties and other things, they just don't have the same level of control over their behaviors that other people do. And people with alcoholism, that's still a disease. So it's the same, like figuring out, like, can you really be mad at someone for having a disease? Like mm -hmm. I, so I felt a lot of guilt about my anger also. 
So I was so mad because of things that had happened and, and blamed my dad for them because they were surrounding him, but then felt guilty about being angry at my dad for having a disease. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that a therapist said to me a few years later about a different situation was, um, you, if somebody had cancer and, in, and it was very treatable, And so this friend of yours, if they had cancer and they had really treatable cancer and you were like, I will drive you to doctor's appointments. I will take care of you after your surgery. Like I'm here for you. And they were like, I don't really want to do that. Let's go to a beach in Mexico and drink cocktails on the beach. If you, you can say, no, I love you unconditionally. And I really want you to get treated for this cancer. And we both know you have it. And if you're not going to do that, then unfortunately, I'm not going to go to Mexico with you. Um, And you asking me to is is hurting me and making me really upset. And those feelings are still valid because I was invalidating. I'm really good at invalidating my own feelings. I was invalidating my own feelings of anger by saying no one is really responsible for these things. Um, And that's not entirely true. Um, So that's that was one really critical insight for my life. (laughs) Well, how fortunate that you um, were able to to get some of that insight at such a young age, because not that habits and patterns had not already been formed in your brain, Mm -hmm. um, but you have the opportunity going into adulthood and now being in adulthood to recognize when those patterns start to show up and to say, all right, hold on one second here. I can, I can control these to some extent, whether that's, you know, seeing, seeing red flags in yourself around alcohol or this invalidating of your own feelings. Um, I have often said that I have this weird envy of Maz because I think that his time, particularly in treatment, his four and a half weeks in rehab, where it was all about introspection mm-hmm. and then his AA meetings and all of that, that I kind of envy that because mm-hmm. I've not taken the time to do that work for myself in part because it's expensive and it's time consuming and there's nothing there's nothing pressing on me to say, you either figure this out or I will walk away. Yeah. Um, and so it's a weird thing to envy that he's been yeah, through that. Talked about it. it is weird. You know, the more you, you bring that up, the more I think, yeah, that's right. And that's also very weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, I mean, like I could just go to therapy. I don't need to become an addict and develop a disease and derail my entire life and my relationships to do that. I could just go to a therapist. Yeah. Well, and I, my, I, my friends tease me all the time for the fact that I am constantly telling people to go to therapy. I think everybody should go to therapy and everybody would be more better off. Cause I agree with you. I think there's, there's reasons why going to therapy was not optional for me. Um, And I can talk about that a little bit, but I think there are things that I got from that, that I look around the world and I'm like, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of things that are normal are actually really unhealthy and we should all be more careful with how we treat ourselves. Um, So I, similar to the alcohol um, and 
the depression, and I think I've said this a few times, is the thing that I have, that I do know I have, and I have from the family history. Um, and when I was 16 was kind of around when I noticed that in myself. I, I noticed some of it before. Fully the scariest thing that has ever happened to me was realizing that I had depression because I had, I knew what the consequences of that could be. Um, and I'd seen the versions of that where somebody just tries to get external achievement and that's going to make them happy. And that didn't work out. I've seen the just tough it out version that does not work. Um, and then I've seen the, you just shut down your life and lay down and go, there's no way to fix this. And that was the one I was most scared of. Cause that was the one that felt most like what I could do to myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, if I want this story to end differently, I have to do something different. Um, and so similar to what I was saying before, hopefully people can learn that without having the decades of painful history that my family does. Yeah. But I, I would like to consider my lesson learning that at 14, 15, 16, something that makes that a silver lining that I, I have been able to, my, one of my cousins was, saying to me, how are you the sanest one in the family? And I'm like, therapy, like a lot of therapy. That's funny. Um, working incredibly hard with a professional. Um, yeah. Similar to the depression though, my relationship with alcohol is informed by seeing people have poor relationships with alcohol and having the high awareness and having that time to reflect like you were talking about on myself and that introspective lens um, and then knowing what the patterns look like. Um, I, I've, I've never had a problem with alcohol that was, was worth stopping. I made a joke at the beginning. I do know for sure that I don't um, because um, even when there was times where I was I was in college and I drank at college parties and that was too much and I would never do that again. Um, when I was a year or so out of college, um, I started noticing that when I would go out with my friends and go to bars and drink, I would be emotionally hungover the next day. Mm. So awesome. I would, my anxiety and depression would be absolutely out of control. Um, and my solution to that was to stop drinking for six months and see how that worked. Um, and now I have a rule that I never drink if I'm feeling any level of anxiety or depression. If my mental health is not at a 10, if I'm not like the best place, super thrilled. I, the, the phrase that I use is I only drink to be happier, not to get happy. Oh, that's good. I like that. Wow, Lillian, you're a font of knowledge. Yeah, I'm very good. I know therapy. <laughs> I know. It's it's truly I I'm I am a broken record. My friends do actually give me crap about this. Yeah, and some of that is because my natural. Oh dear, well, this um, wow. Oh, there you are. You're natural. My natural instinct is to be a caretaker which is a pattern from childhood and um, caring for your dad by yeah. bringing him alcohol. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the most extreme example, right? It was really, there was dysfunction and there were problems that need to be solved. And so I just did that. And I got a lot of praise for doing that and for filling that space, 
So I did it more and more and it started with little things and it ended with me thinking of myself as a parent at 13. Yes. Um, And uh, so those patterns are really ingrained in me and they're really hard for me to shut off. So when I hear of anybody having a problem or I see anybody in pain or any of those things, my natural inclination is to run directly into that fire to totally ignore my own needs and do whatever it takes to solve that for them. And the truth is that doesn't actually help people. Um, And so one of my ways to not take somebody's problem on is to tell them to go to therapy. (laughs) Interesting. That's really interesting, Lillian, because I have that same instinct. I I very much have always seen myself as, oh, you're broken? Come to me. I'll help you. And I know it's because my parents got divorced when I was 15 and my brothers were much younger. And so I picked up a piece of that kind of co-parenting. Absolutely. Um, And so I know that I have that same tendency and uh, a little bit, it got broken when I actually became a real parent because I realized, oh, this person actually needs me. And this is my actual job in this person's life, as opposed to like dating some broken human who I thought I could save. Um, and then I also started to realize, oh, I'm, I'm putting all my energy on you so that I don't have to put it on me. Yeah. And it, the sooner I realized that, the, the sooner I started to um, get smarter about it. And then Maz's whole deal Uh, that he learned in rehab about you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. You can't help somebody if you're, if you're drowning, that's mixing metaphors, but you know what I mean? Um, When I started to really think about how many times have I sacrificed my own oxygen mask thinking, well, I don't need it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you do. Do you know the Enneagram at all? Yes. Okay. So Um, just my caveat for the Enneagram is that like all personality tests, it's in deeply imperfect and not the only thing you need to know about yourself, but, um, I'm an Enneagram two, um, which is the caretaker. Um, and there's this album that this really amazing artist wrote, um, his, he's called sleep at last and it's called Enneagram and all the songs are just the names of the number. So it's two. Um, and I, that song has a part where it's, I would take my um, heart apart if it helped yours beat. And it, there's a few other things like that, um, that is really about that unhealthy pattern of, I will harm myself if I think it helps you. And that doesn't actually help other people. There are times when people need you, but if it's harming you, it's not gonna help them. There's not a limited amount of pain and if you sham wow it up, they aren't going to feel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, Lillian, if um, social media assessment and marketing doesn't work out, I feel like therapy school could just be yeah. like a skip right through it I and think, get right I to the couch. I think you could ace that one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If, well, I couldn't. I, I actually wanted to do that. And I couldn't do it because I would take on all the problems. I can't create the boundaries that you need to do to help do that. At least you know that. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's a good piece of self-preservation right there. 
Yeah. I just want to say to wrap this up, because this has been incredibly it interesting. Has. I want to say thank you. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Yes. But I want to say that ShamWow needs to reconsider how they market and think about creating an arm of like a metaphorical ShamWow that does not do what they claim it will do, which is soak up all of the stuff and move it out of the way. I've never heard anybody use it in such a smart way, Lillian. It's, um, wow. I, I've known you for a really long time, but not well. And to hear you talk about this, everything I thought I knew about you is at once both confirmed and dispelled. So really, really interesting conversation. Yes, it has been. Thank thanks you. to you. And thanks to your dad for saying yes, that you yes. can come on and talk about this because it's not easy to um, out somebody, even if they're comfortable about it. It's, it's hard, I think, to hear someone come on and talk about the pain that they've caused, that someone else has caused. So thank you to Lillian's dad for yes, saying yes to this. Please pass on a congratulations to him. That's a long time to be enjoying sobriety yeah i definitely definitely will but mostly thank you to you for yes, doing you. the hard work lillian to um get to wherever you are now which is not the end it's just where you are now yeah yeah it's a good place i'm very happy where i am so that's good good well tons and tons of nuggets to take from this conversation above and beyond shamwow i drink to get happier not to get happy that's good i'm gonna that's that's gonna amazing. be amazing now amazing Lillian, we'll be back in touch soon because no doubt we'll have more things for you to measure around our <laughs> social media stuff. But also we may come back just to continue this conversation. Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. And everybody else, we'll be back next Tuesday, but we will be at a different location, different time zone, different state. And so oh, yeah. tune in next Tuesday at 830 to see where that is. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Bye, Lillian. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, Email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.